This is Dale Jr., and you're listening to Dirty Mo Radio. My dad taught me to ride a motorcycle. He had this little Yamaha 125, and when he was teaching me to ride it, uh, he was on the back with me, and I popped a wheelie with us. He didn't think that was too... Um, I didn't mean to. Yeah. It just happened, <laughs> you know? It just happened. Welcome to Kelly Earnhardt Miller's Fast Lane Family, presented by Wella Professionals. Salon care products that you can experience with your senses. Get high performance you can see, touch, and sense. Welcome to Fastlane Family. We've got a special show for you today. Our Wella professionals are going to share tips on how to nourish your color-treated hair using their Brilliance treatment line. So excited about that. And like I said, gosh, Amanda, we've had such great guests over the past few weeks with um, yeah. Steve Letard and Sherry Pollux and Samantha Bush. But today we're going to do something a little different. It would have been my dad's 64th birthday, so we're going to dedicate this show to him. And we kind of went back to our Ask Kelly format from last year, that little segment mm-hmm. that we did. And we're going to do a whole show uh, of Ask Kelly and we've invited a lot of our fans on Facebook and Twitter to send in their questions and I'm going to do my best at answering some and sharing some stories about my dad and what it was like to grow up with him so this ought to be good and um, funny and who knows what else we got a lot of questions too so (laughs) I'm excited to get started before we get into these questions I wanted to uh, preface something I thought it would just be interesting to give you know the fans an idea of kind of growing up and and We actually, my parents were divorced when Dale and I were four, so we lived with my mom until we were in the, I was in the third grade, I was around 10 years old, and from that time, I do not have a really good memory of my dad, like, you know, really, I don't remember him, my parents being married, but I don't remember my dad very much in that time period either, so we had a house fire, and we moved in with our dad in 1981 so this was prior to marrying Teresa and then he and Teresa married in 82 we lived with him until I went away with college um in 90 and then I was away from college for five years I didn't come home very often um from home from college and then when I came back from college I started working in a business for my dad so um I say all that with that we didn't have the typical household. So, you know, we weren't all together at dinner at 5 o'clock in the evenings. And usually my dad was out working on the farm or, of course, they were off racing and we were staying with relatives and nannies and that kind of thing. So some of this stuff I'm like, you know, I really don't remember that. But I'll have a story to tell you regardless. So (laughs) anyway, let's go to our first question. All right. It's uh, from at DRTTR Sally. What was his favorite meal or snack? Okay, so this is one that two things stick out to me um, as far as food for my dad. We used to have this little joint in Morrisville, and I so wish it was here today, called the Little Kitchen. And it was just a little hole-in-the-wall place. It had been there for about 35 years. They had, you know, your typical steak, baked potato salad um, type place. And we would either go there and eat, or we would get takeout from there literally three nights a week. I'm not kidding. They had the (laughs) best prime rib and they had the best blue cheese dressing that was homemade that my dad absolutely loved. And then also I know that he loved to fish and I was a lot older, but I know that, um, you know, he loved to fish on his boat down in the Bahamas and whatnot and would, and loved to cook a lot of that type of fish. So I know that was a favorite for him too. Well, then a follow-up to that, um, a question from Roll Tide Astro. What he wants to know, was Sunday Money his favorite fishing boat? Sunday Money was actually his, I, I guess, you know, it was a luxury yacht with, you know, bedrooms and living rooms and that kind of thing. His fishing boat was actually named the Intimidator, and it was a 50-foot fishing boat. I think the Sunday Money boat uh, was a 74-foot yacht. Like I said, he, he loved to fish and go down to the Bahamas and and 
take his buddies and, and people like Michael Waltrip and people like that down there to fish and hang out. At Mandog12, what was your dad like away from the racetrack? He uh, had the intimidator persona there. Was that uh, Did that roll over into personal life? Yeah, I think the intimidator rolled over away from the track, you know, amongst his business and with family and personal relationships. Um, you know, my dad was always busy when we called. Yeah, I can just think about um, when we were kids, he just wasn't home that much. He loved to work on the farm, so he'd get, you know, he'd work on the farm all evening until dark. And then when we were, you know, grown-ups in our 20s, it, you know, you call dad, he's like, what do you need? What's up? What's wrong? you know, kind of thing. Wasn't a lot of time for, you know, hey, how you been? What's been going on? All that kind of stuff. It was just like, all right, what's what's wrong? What do you need? If you're calling me, this must be big kind of thing. So um, <laughs> very intimidating. All right. At <laughs> Kevin underscore Morgan 88, when he taught you, Dale, and Carrie to race, was there one piece of advice that he felt was crucial for you guys to be successful? If I can remember, um, the, probably the thing that he said the most was just like, don't drive over your head. So when you're getting started and you're not really sure what you're doing, don't drive over your head really doesn't make a lot of sense because you don't know what don't drive over your head means. But dad was, he didn't, he didn't ever get to one of my races in the three years that I raced. I think he might've saw Dale race once, but he really didn't have a lot of advice going into it. He, he more or less, when you came back and, and if you went over something that maybe you, you know, could have done different, he just told you what you should have done, you know, kind of that hindsight's twenty twenty thing. So that's about the best I can give from there. <laughs> At Leon 19, what is your most prized possession that was once your dad's? The only thing, well, I don't say the only thing. I have a few things of my dad's. I have very little things of my dad's, so I can go through them in a quick list. Uh, I have a Tasmanian Devil fire suit when my dad drove the Taz car that was actually given to me by a friend of my dad's um, who had it, and, and I'm a huge Taz fan, so they thought that I would want that after my dad passed away. I have some jewelry that my dad gave me, which, you know, I cherish and love. Just a few pieces from a few special um, times. But the only thing that I have that was actually my dad's is a pair of boots. In 2005, Teresa gave us each a pair of my dad's Justin boots. And they got the soles wore out on them. And uh, they sit actually right now in my son's room. Because uh, cool. his room's kind of, uh, uh, you know, outdoorsy and all that. And mm -hmm. I just thought they'd make a a good little, uh, good place to, you know, look at them and, and have them. So they sit there. Wyatt knows that those are Prop Aldell's boots. And they uh, have a little tag on them that Teresa put about reminding yourselves about walking in other people's shoes, which I thought was cool. But um, unfortunately, we didn't get a lot passed down to us um, from that. And maybe one day we'll get a hold of something. Who knows? <laughs> at RBGL 2000, besides the 1998 Daytona 500, what was the next biggest moment in your dad's career? You know, I really think that my dad would have to answer that from his perspective. So from my perspective, and, you know, I would just have to guess that in thinking through, you know, the seven championships and the different things that, that my dad did, I'm sure they all have their different significance, you know, to him, whether it was the first championship or whether it was the ones in, you know, 86, 87, when they were just, you know, winning, they won 11 races in one of those years, you know. But but I would think that if my dad was kind of looking back on his career and just racing in general, that, you know, my brother's first win or championship from the um, nationwide days would have to be in there somewhere. You know, I can just see a couple things that stand out, you know, my dad 
having Dale in the neck hold kind of um, after the Winston when my brother won and then, uh, you know, in Texas, leaning down in the car and, and, and all that. So, you know, I, I was trying to think through my dad's career and I just think it's just too hard for me to kind of pick what I think might be. He had so the, many the Daytona momentous events. Yeah, the Daytona 500 by far because it just took so long to get there. I can definitely rank that one as the high one. But, you know, you gosh, you got the pass in the grass with Bill Elliott for the Winston yeah. and just a lot of cool things. At long racing, how was your dad when he met your boyfriends? I laughed so hard at this question. So um, first off, my dad wouldn't allow me to date without him meeting people. Okay, so my dad was, you know, gone on the weekends. And then when do you go out on dates? On the weekends. So um, made the connection and I didn't go out with boyfriends very much. But as I got older, that's probably, I mean, I really didn't didn't have a boyfriend until I was about 18 or 19. <laughs> <laughs> that my dad knew about because otherwise you just wouldn't have a boyfriend. He didn't allow you to, but you know, he, he could be intimidating. He joked with them. It, you had to, um, you know, just prepare yourself for what he might call out in front of them. And he wasn't scared to make them feel scared or intimidate them or call them out on something that just that dad boyfriend kind of thing. But uh, sounds like a typical dad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he wasn't very, yeah, he wasn't definitely wasn't warm and fuzzy about it by any means. <laughs> At Ricky Bowen 2, what was your favorite thing to do with your dad when you were growing up? I think the best, the, my favorite thing to do would be just go out to the farm with him and hang out because we just didn't get the opportunity to do a lot of things together like that. You know, we traveled to the races and that was all fine. But when we traveled to the races, he was, you know, at the track and doing things and we would be maybe at the beach in Daytona or something like that. But I, I would just, I enjoyed once he got the farm to, uh, you know, go out there and hang out and ride around the trucks with him or and, and just hang and use that time to be able to talk to him about whatever. So that was probably one of my favorite things to do. At Marthol MU, have your kids ever tried to ride a bike backwards? Is there anyone else in your family that has mastered that? <laughs> my kids have not tried this. I, I did try this when I was younger, and I could do it, but I haven't tried it in quite some while, quite some time. I don't even know the last time I <laughs> rode a bike, to be honest with you. <laughs> he was pretty good at it, though, and he loved to show it off. <laughs> At Cowgirl KB, my favorite Brooks and Dunn video featured your dad. Did he ever play any musical instruments? Yeah, that is a great video. He did not play any musical instruments, but he loved music. And I think that's something that I can think of. His playlist was varied from Madonna to Patsy Cline to Bruce Springsteen. And I mean, he just loved everything in between. Brooks and Dunn obviously were, were great friends of his. There's two people that, that stand out in my mind prior to that, Bruce Springsteen and Delbert McClinton, that I know my dad were big fans of and would actually go to their concerts and listen to their music. But uh, he didn't play any instruments that I can think of. Maybe the air guitar from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> At APM Now One, was your dad hard or soft-hearted with kids? Well, if you're talking about his own kids, he was hard-headed. <laughs> if you're talking about other kids, he, was, he had a really soft heart, a big place for kids. You know, my dad got started with Make-A-Wish, which is where Dale was introduced to that and, and met a lot of kids um, at the racetracks. But, you know, my dad was, he was just sweet to kids and, and, you know, kids standing on the fence, wanting autographs and that kind of thing. But for us, it's pretty tough and hard-headed. At Traveling Dora, what do you think your dad would think of Twitter? You know, I've, I saw that Dale was asked this question, and, and Dale Dale's response was he didn't think he would care much for it. But I think my dad, well, of course, being 
you know, when Twitter's been hot for the last, you know, four or five years, at 60, my dad probably wouldn't care very much for Twitter. But had Twitter been introduced, you know, mm -hmm. kind of in the throes of his career, I think it was something that he probably would have gravitated to because he was pretty keen on what it would take to, to please fans and please sponsors. And, and so I think he would have made that a part of his career, you know, in, in the late 80s and 90s when all of that was going well. I don't think at 60 when we were introduced to Twitter, that he would probably be very, very keen on Twitter. I don't know. You know, there's not a lot of people that are older that really love Twitter that I talk to, you know. Very few, yeah. <laughs> I mean, very few yeah. that get on it, yeah. you know. At ButlerB92, was your dad someone that enjoyed sports? He did like sports. He liked to watch sports. I don't really ever remember my dad playing much unless it was like a um, charity softball game or something like that, charity basketball game for um, – some one you know one of his partners or NASCAR or something like that. He was a big Braves fan. Uh, I can't even think football wise that I don't I don't know that he was really that keen on you know mm -hmm. football, but did like baseball and the Braves. All right, we'll move on to our Facebook questions here. Andy Camisar, what is your favorite funny memory with your dad? Gosh, this one stuck out in my mind. So I lived on my own in my first house, and I got woke up during the night hearing these noises. And so I called my dad, and he didn't live but a couple miles away. And he came over with his gun. He he had this long gun that he, the holster for it, like, tied around his thighs. And oh. so he comes over, and he's got this gun, and he, you know, he's, I, you know, I don't know what he thought, if he's going to shoot somebody or what. But uh, <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny, you know, coming over in the middle of the night and, and rescuing me from the noises that I was hearing. Just to picture Dale Earnhardt with his gun tied to his thigh. <laughs> that, could, that could have been a really horrible news yeah. story. Yeah. <laughs> At Janet Martin, what did your dad do that made you the maddest while you were growing up? Probably getting grounded. When we got in trouble with our parents, with my dad especially, we were grounded to the nth degree. And, and what I mean by that is, like, they took away our TV, they took away our toys. Anything that you could find entertainment in, they took away. So that literally you just sat in solitude in your room and, you know, had to think about your behavior or whatever it was that was going on. So I would get pretty mad when, when I got in trouble, but I guess it was my own fault at the end of the day. <laughs> Brandy Green wants to know, what are some of the things that you all do as a family to help the grandkids learn about and remember who their grandfather was as an everyday person as well as the famous NASCAR driver? For us, for, for my kids... You know, we've watched Dale the movie recently, the special that Spike TV did, we watched. And um, just exposing them to things like that, you know, even Wyatt, as young as three, he knows who Papa Dale is. In fact, we just went to Bristol to the race, and we walked past Ty Dillon's hauler in mm -hmm. the Nationwide Garage, and the big number three was on the back. And he turns around and he says, <gasps> Papa Dale! So, you know, even <laughs> yeah. he, you know, equates that three to my dad and, and nobody else. So, you know, just telling stories... I often bring up stories about, you know, because since I have three kids and, and talking about having them behave and consequences, I'm like, oh, my dad, you know, my dad would have never let me get away with that. And this is how my dad handled that. And so they get it from all angles, whether it's personal or family stuff. But the biggest thing, and I can think back to my grandfather was I was only a year old when he died. There, there's not a lot of video and that kind of thing. So I think about, well, I don't really feel like I know my Papa Ralph that well. Mm -hmm. And I hope that the video and things like that, they're available about my dad because of the time that they can, you know, learn more about him and just hearing stories and things like that being shared about him, um, you know, is, is, I guess, really the best thing that we can do, yeah. you know. 
Lorna Nalon, my question would be, was he very stern and tough living with, which you've already addressed, yes. but <laughs> this made me laugh. She wants to know, were your friends kind of scared of him? Yeah, I didn't, I don't, I didn't really have a lot of friends over to the house either. In our neighborhood, we had one girl that I played with a lot, and then there was one boy that Dale played with. So the four of us kind of, you know, we rode bikes or did whatever. And um, yeah, they were scared of him, but my dad was very stern. We just had really strict rules. You know, we had definitely do the chores. If you didn't do the chores, you didn't go outside and play. All the things that your kids should do, clean up after themselves, make their beds. But my dad was a believer in following the rules and consequences if you didn't. There was no leeway. There was no second chance. There were no three warnings. It was just, you know, the first warning and that was it. So I'd call that pretty stern. And even I hear stories of my Aunt Kathy tell, and I and I heard some of my dad as well. My Papa Ralph was like that, very stern. So I think he learned, you know, his parenting style from, from yeah. him. <laughs> <laughs> Christine Dean Weidel, did you or your siblings ever wish that you didn't have a famous father? How did y'all feel about sharing your dad with all the fans? Yeah, great question. I don't know that I ever wished that, you know, I didn't have a famous dad. I just wished that there would have been more time to have a dad and to be able to do dad things and, and to have that time that, you know, we missed out on a lot from the weekend standpoint because he didn't, you know, get to go to proms or get to go to sports games or things like that because usually he was out of town racing. You know, I I think it's very cool. There's so many people that, you know, love my dad and sharing my dad with the fans. You know, I've talked about the story like when we lost my dad and how people would be like, you know, well, I just I just couldn't function the day that your dad died. And I'm like, yeah, I hear you. I, I feel you, <laughs> yeah. you know. And, um you know, their their support of my dad and their loyalty and, and they were just as integrated into his life at most of the times as we were. And um, so it's kind of, I think it's cool that, that that's the way it is. And, and But I do wish, you know, there was more of the, the quality time over that we didn't get to have with them because of that. But I wouldn't take back what, you know, he accomplished and, and all the things that his life provided us to, to carry on into our life today. Mm -hmm. So definitely wouldn't want to change that. Wesley Hill, what do you think his involvement in the sport would be today? Well, I definitely think, um, you know, Delanhar Incorporated would still be thriving and, and uh, he was very serious about ownership and, and owning teams in, in the Cup Series. And um, so I think he would, you know, be much like uh, Richard Childress or Mr. Hendrick is and, and have teams and doing what he was uh, when we lost him, telling people his ideas and thoughts and opinions and how to do things um, in the sport. And so I think he would most definitely be involved to, to that degree. Do you think he would ever have considered commentating? You know, I don't know. I mean, he, he might have. Yeah, I you know, I don't know. He's a, he's a good talker and, mm -hmm. you know, very much a, a student of the sport. So I think he would have been good at it. What I would, what I would want to know is when he would have retired. Cause that's such a hard thing for drivers to do. Mm -hmm. I always wonder, you know, how long he would have raced and what was he thinking even, you know, in 2001, I, I know that, you know, I, don't, I, I feel like that then he was really valuing life and trying to, to, make up for that lost time with kids and Taylor and mm -hmm. that kind of thing and grandkids. And so I think he would have slowed down. I'm just not sure when he would have quit. And I know there's something really hard for the drivers to do. So I'd be interested to know how that would work out. That's a thought of mine often. And Boge. I think I said that right. I apologize if I got it wrong. Bogey or Boge. Yeah. <laughs> what was your favorite father-daughter activity to do with your dad? Yeah, I think it would just be 
you know, we really didn't segregate it in down to, to father-daughter, just, you know, time together. And that would have been, like I said, going out to the farm. To get any of my dad's time was always a thrill. So, you know, if it was much of the time that we spent with my dad was amongst a lot of other people, whether it was family or, you know, going to the different things that we got to celebrate, like Dylan Hart Day in Kannapolis and things like that, were activities that we did with a lot of other people. So <laughs> we didn't get a whole lot of father-daughter specific time. It just The time just wasn't there to be had. Walter Houston, what were the holidays like with your dad? Uh, you know, they were some of the times where we got to spend the most time together, being in the off-season and the holidays for Thanksgiving and Christmas we always spent with my mama Earnhardt and our aunts and uncles and cousins from the Earnhardt side. So, you know, I remember them with a lot of, you know, joy and excitement. And for Christmas, you know, with my dad, just being able to wake up and spend time together and wonder what we were going to get on the tree, we, under the tree. We got some weird gifts from time to time. Like, uh, <laughs> I think I mentioned it on the show a week or two ago, but, you know, like one year they brought us stuff back from Japan. Um, you know, like I got a kimono and I'm like, yeah, every kid wants a kimono. So, um, <laughs> I think I told that story in, in a speaking engagement I just had and, uh, just, you know, weird, quirky stuff like that. <laughs> God, it was strange. <laughs> Glenn Potts Jr. Where would your dad take you for vacations? Usually when I, w- when I was a kid, vacation was Daytona in July. Mm-hmm. And we would go and spend time on the beach, you know, either with Teresa or a nanny of some sort. And we went to Disney a time or two during that trip. But dad, you know, would be off at the racetrack. So when I was older, uh, I did get to go on a couple vacations with my dad down to the Bahamas on his boat. Just me. So it was kind of different mm-hmm. than a kid family vacation. But, you know, that was what it was. So that's what we did. Beth Kid Kozel, how did your family travel to the races back in the early 70s? All right. Well, I was born in 1972. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know, what my mama tells me is we just went in the family car. Now, I can remember in the 80s, you know, when I was a little older, we had a conversion van. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we traveled a lot back and forth driving to the races. We didn't have the motor homes or people to drive the motor homes. And we'd stay in hotels and then or either, you know, just go for the day um, in our conversion van. But uh, I definitely I can remember laying in the middle we would lay down in the aisle of the conversion fan and it'd be so warm down there, you know, with the drivetrain underneath yeah. just to work in and everything. And, um, spent a lot of it in the, the back seat would like fold down into a bed, you know, and we'd lay back there and, and sleep or play or whatever. But, um, I don't remember much about the early seventies. <laughs> <laughs> Deborah Sexton, what was your dad's biggest pet peeve? Gosh, I would say probably his biggest pet peeve was people that didn't listen to, to to what he thought how you should do something and then do it on their own and then figure out that it didn't work the way they did it and they should have listened to him to begin with when when I read this I really you know from a pet peeve perspective I really couldn't think of anything but my dad had zero patience and he always wanted to tell you how to do things so you didn't even worry about saying you know do you think this or do you think this you just said hey dad if I want to go over there and pick up that stick What's the best way to do it? He'd tell you, mm-hmm. and that was the end. You didn't even try to do anything different. And a big lack of patience. Mm-hmm. So you needed, that was the reason for the, hey, what do you need or what's up kind of question when you called him because he just wanted to get to the point, you know, and not be emotional about it. Just be, you know, this is what it is and this is how you do it and carry on. <laughs> Chris Brink Watson, do you know what age your dad began racing? Uh, they assumed that they that your dad started young because of your grandpa Ralph. Yeah, um, good question. 
I want to say, uh, yeah, I don't really know. I would have to go back and look. But I would say probably right around, you know, in 72 when I was born, my dad was 21 in racing. I definitely don't think it was, you know, like nowadays you listen to, you know, like we had Andrew Nemechek on and John Hunter and I started racing at eight or whatever. Yeah. Definitely don't think it was that young. I think that the drivers then, it was more kind of when they got their license type of thing. So 16, 17, mm-hmm. 18, you know, was when they got out on the racetrack. But I, I don't know for sure. And our final question is from Stephen Womble. Your dad is famous for a sense of humor and playing jokes on people, but did you ever play any jokes on him as a kid? Absolutely (laughs) not. No. He was very good at uh, playing jokes on other people, but he did not like jokes played on him. He wasn't as um, good with that. So I would have never done that as a kid. I was pretty scared of my dad, and I don't think that would have flown very good (laughs) (laughs) i thought of another story of a couple funny things my dad taught me to ride a motorcycle he had this little yamaha 125 and when he was teaching me to ride it uh he was on the back with me and i popped a willy with us he didn't think that was too um i didn't mean to yeah it just happened you know (laughs) just happened so um that was pretty crazy and i thought that this would show you know a, a I was asked, this story will show a lot about my dad's heart and just how he cared for people because he was very intimidating. But on my dad's truck, he had this sticker with a rebel flag that said American by birth, Southern by the grace of God or something mm-hmm. like that. And, you know, it had a rebel flag on it. And uh, at the time, we had we had a lot of different nannies that took care of us and some housekeepers. And we had this housekeeper named Ann, and she was the most awesome lady. She was African-American lady. Mm-hmm. And she asked my stepmother, I think, you know, about my dad's rebel flag on the back oh, of his truck. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and so my stepmom, the next thing we know, my dad's out there with a knife and a razor blade, and he's 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 cutting the rebel flag yeah. out of the sticker and you know left the american by birth but he didn't you know he didn't want to offend anybody or, or or make anybody mad in that manner yeah. and um it was so sweet it was a little kind-hearted thing and she just thought that was the best she's like you know that's just so awesome that you would do that but um so that's kind of funny oh. funny cute story he had a good heart. He had a he had a big heart. Oh, this is another story that I thought about something that my dad and I headed out to the farm one day. I was graduating from high school and we were headed out to the farm and we stopped at this auto parts store and he said, All right, we're gonna go in here and get a gas cap for a car and I was like, Okay. And so we got out to the farm and he throws me this gas cap and he's like, You might want to go put that on your car and I'm like, Well, my car has a gas flat, my, a gas cap, yeah. and my car's parked at the house, not over here at the farm. So how am I going to do that? And this Z24, this white Z24, had been sitting in the farm shop for a couple of weeks, and he had told me that it was a friend of his for their kid that he was just hiding it there Mm -hmm. and ended up that was the way that he gave me my high school graduation present which was this little z24 and you know just nonchalantly hey go put this gas cap (laughs) on your car and I'm like what car and that was like okay here's your car and so I got this little white z24 when I graduated high school that I took off to college with me I'm assuming you don't have that car anymore I don't I actually drove it all five years of college put uh, over a hundred thousand miles on it and then my cousin bought it and she had it for the longest time. She ran it well over 200,000 miles. So we got the good out of it on all ends. <laughs> it was a good little car. I love that car. When I went to college, I packed that car with my belongings. 
and I took myself to college. I think my mom came down from Virginia and went with me the first day I moved into the dorm. But, you know, here I am off to college in my little Z24 with what belongings I'm going to take down there. When I moved home from college five years ago, my dad had to send a U-Haul and a trailer to put my car on because he wanted me to fly somewhere with him. And he flew down with a couple guys and we packed up my car, packed up the truck, packed up the car, put the car on the trailer, and I brought it back home. So I collected a lot of stuff while I was down in college. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, it's time now for our tip of the week brought to you by our friends at Wella Professionals. This week, Amanda, we're going to talk treatments, specifically treatments for colored hair. Do you color your hair? I don't. I've (laughs) decided I'm going to wait, which I am getting gray now, but I'm going to wait till I'm full gray. But I have fine hair like you in treating it a lot with color. It damages it. Okay, yes, so so I color my hair, so I'm very familiar with that. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to break this down for you. If you have fine hair, uh, like Amanda and I, or normal hair, or, of course, coarse hair. So um, the experts at Willow Professionals recommend the Brilliance Treatment Regimen. So that's a line of products they have called Mm -hmm. the Brilliance line. And uh, they recommend this specifically because it has a prescriptive treatment specifically designed for each hair type. For fine to medium hair, and probably a lot of people wonder how you, I mean, we we all, uh, I guess, just kind of judge our own hair. Nobody really ever tells us. I guess our hairdresser will tell us. Yeah. Yeah, fine hair. But I really, um, you know, fine hair is the diameter of your hair uh, is skinny. And it doesn't really grow well when you try to get it past your shoulders. That's me. We know when mine gets past my shoulders, it becomes lip and lifeless. Mm -hmm. I I do know that um, I had my hair measured by a... uh, Oh, really? I didn't know they did that. Yes. I have lots of hair, but I have fine hair. Mm -hmm. So... But for fine and medium hair, the Brilliance treatment is good to use once a week. It will leave your colored hair soft and it will increase shine. And it also increases the longevity of your color. I think, um, you know, it's key here to point out that, okay, so for this specific fine hair, it's once a week. Many people think, you know, the more the better. It's Definitely not the case, really, in hair products, you know, because it just adds it down, oils yeah. and adds different things to your hair that, you know, is only good for a specific time. So the Well Professional says with every hair treatment, make sure that you only apply it from the mid-length of your hair down to the ends for five to seven minutes. This is where your hair is the oldest and gets more friction from styling tools. If you have coarse hair, which simply means that, when you don't style your hair, it's kind of frizzy and inconsistent curl patterns, and that causes the hair not to shine. More often than not, that's also thicker hair inconsistency mm-hmm. is the coarse hair. Coarse hair needs more conditioning care and styling care, so they recommend that you use the Brilliance Treatment twice a week. When applying the Brilliance Treatment, work with your hands moving down the hair shaft and wait a few minutes before using a wide tooth comb. Leave that on for five to seven minutes. Important here, do not rub that with a towel because that unseals the hair shaft and adds to the frizz. When you're done with the five to seven minutes, you just squeeze the moisture out and then carry on with your typical styling. You can purchase the Brilliance Treatments line or any of the Wella Professional products at the 782 Ulta stores nationwide or purchase online at Ulta.com. All right, well... That's it. I enjoyed all the questions and um, hope everybody enjoyed this episode of Fast Lane Family, the Ask Kelly version. And at 64 years old, who knows what my dad would be in here telling us what to do or, or how things would have uh, uh, been. It'd probably certainly be a lot different than they are today. You know, I'm thankful for that. I, I tell the story often that I, I, I do believe in my heart I would have never come and worked for Dale had my dad not died. So that whole blessing in disguise type of thing, you know, there's another path that, that, that 
there's answers there's a reason too. for there's everything. a reason and answers that led you know us to that and, and having junior motorsports and all this kind of stuff today that you know it, it would have been different maybe we've been over at Dillon Hart Incorporated but all that would still be different yeah. you know so just thankful for, for what we have and that I had 27 great years with them um, and the biggest thing for me is just my kids getting to miss out on knowing what kind of guy he was and experiencing that I know he would have a ball with grandkids so he had Bobby and Jeffrey my brother Carrie's boys but he didn't want to be a grandpa then um, you know, when he passed away. <laughs> he would always make them call him Mr. Earnhardt. Really? They would want to call him Papa Dale. And he's like, I'm not a Papa. So <laughs> he just, you know, he wasn't ready to be a grandfather. Carrie made him a grandfather at a pretty early age. So <laughs> um, I think he would have tons of fun with all the grandkids now and just being involved in what they're involved in and horses and rodeo and in racing and all those kind of things that everybody likes to do. So it'd, it'd be fun. So happy birthday, Dad. Hope everybody's enjoyed the show, and we'll look forward to you joining us again soon. Fastlane Family has been brought to you by Wella Professional Hair Care, multi-sensorial hair care products that you will see, touch, and sense the difference from your very first wash. Hair care needs from fine to normal to color to coarse, Wella's got you covered. Wella Professional Hair Care products are available at over 780 Ulta stores nationwide. Visit Ulta.com to find the store nearest you. Thanks for listening to Dirty Mo' Radio. 